He is risen. He is risen. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, all right. I want to talk a little bit about that for a second. Because it's weird. Can I just tell you that's a weird thing? That's like, uh, now, if you, didn't, if you didn't know what to say after that, that's okay. You're normal. Um, but there's like, there's like a thing in church where we, we on Easter, we say, he is risen. And other people say, he is risen indeed, right? So, um, and I know it's, it's, here's what I don't like about that. It's like a club that lots of people aren't belo don't belong to. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, like, have you guys ever gone to a different church? Like, if I go to a Catholic church, I have no idea what to do. Like, I'm a pastor. I'm a professional Christian. I go to a Catholic church, I'm like, am I supposed to, what, sit down, stand up? I, I don't know. I don't know any of the rules. But everybody else knows. The pastor says something, you're supposed to say something back. I don't know anything about that. But, so, but the whole thing is weird because I, um... I don't know, the, the he is risen, he is risen indeed. I, I know there's, there's tradition behind it. I know there is, there is beautiful um, imagery behind it. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think it's kind of weird, mostly because for a lot of us, it's just a, another thing we do on Easter. Because let's be honest, Easter is a weird holiday. It's a weird holiday because, um, because if I told you right now, that there was this friend of mine who um, died and came back to life. You'd be like, okay, so like, you know, he, you know, like he went under for like three minutes, you know, they, and then they revived him, right? No, 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 I'm not talking about three minutes. I'm, not, I'm talking about three days, like bad, like he was dead. They, they took him to the morgue, the whole shebang, everything was, it was done, and then boom, he, woke, he opened his eyes three days later, right? Would you believe a word of that? Of course not, that's a stupid movie that nobody would watch. Um, nobody would believe this. And yet, here we go, we, we come together and on, on Easter we, 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 you know, we take a day off of work and we, uh, uh, what, what do we do? We, we eat with family, we dress up and we go to church and we do our Easter thing, we get the Easter baskets and all the rest of it, that's fun. Um, but it's weird to me because it's about a story that most people would never believe. And, and the only reason we believe it is because we, were, we grew up thinking that it was true. People told us that it was true. For the most part, that's the, that's the only reason we think that it's real. Because if anybody else told us that in our, in our adult life, we wouldn't believe a word of it. And so the question I have for you today, to start, is do you, what do you think about this story? This weird story of a guy who actually died. Now, I think most people, it's hard to find anybody who doesn't believe that Jesus existed. He was a man. He was here. He lived. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi. And he was, he was killed on a cross. That's historical fact. Um, okay, but then the question of what happened after that is, there's, it's a historical problem for me, you know? It's a weird thing. And to say, I know and I believe that he raised from the dead is a weird thing to say. Now, if you're here for the first time and you don't know what you, or, or you've been here a bunch, but you still don't know what you think about the Bible or about God or about Christians or about Jesus, I totally get that. And I gotta be honest, it's okay for you to say, that's a weird thing to believe. It's a weird thing because what we normally do with this idea of Jesus being raised from the dead is we put it in the same, in, a, in the fable category. And I think a lot of us put the Jesus raising from the dead in a category that is the same as we, well, we have lots of different fables that we like to believe, uh, especially around holidays. There are tons of them. Look at the Easter Bunny. Nobody believe, well, again, some people believe in the Easter Bunny. Um, but no, nobody really, 
uh, thinks that that's a real thing, the tooth fairy, right? We have lots of things. Uh, there's a certain other holiday that has another person that I will not discuss. Um, depending on who's in the room, but um, you know what I'm saying? There are, there are holiday fables that we have, right? That happens, that, that most of us don't actually believe, but they're a fun story to tell on a fun day that let, get, lets us have food with our family and friends and dress up nice. And the question is, does it matter? Does it matter for you whether the story of Easter, the Raising from the dead story is a fable that tells a nice story, or, or does it matter that it actually happened? And it, it only matters if and when we start to think about our death. Because a, a, a fable is a, is a nice thing, but, but when you start to think about what's going to happen after your death, this question gets a little bit more personal and a little bit more real because I don't know if you know this I don't know if anybody's told you but you're gonna die that's gonna happen it's like it's like gonna it's every person you are gonna die some of us sooner than others but all of us are in the process of dying right now so what is gonna happen what do we know about what's gonna happen after we die that's the big question and the, and the answer is Ooh, that's a big, that's a harder question than we want to actually admit. But when we start thinking about it, we start thinking about what happened with Jesus. If we believe there is an afterlife, then Easter and the story of the resurrection actually starts to matter. Um, now, for some of us, we don't believe there's an afterlife. There's the, I think there's a lot of people who uh, would put their faith in a belief, in a science, very um, small scientific belief that says that who I am is a, is a product of my body, specifically my brain. That there are hundreds of millions of neurons firing inside of my brain all of the time. And as they fire, the person that you know, those of you guys who have known me a long time, the person that you know, uh, the way that I tell jokes, the way that I interact with people, that person that you know is not anything other than a bunch of neurons that have coalesced together to fire in specific ways to make me who I am. And so that all I am is my body and my this lump of tissue in my head that fires neurons that creates the thing that, that exists for you. And if that's the case, if all I am is this body and this brain, when this body and this brain go, that's it. It's over, right? That's like snuffed out. There is no more existence. And I, I get that that, is, that sounds like a, a scientific worldview, but I would like to suggest this. I would like to suggest that it takes just as much, much faith to believe that there is nothing on the other side of death as it does to believe that there is something, that there is an afterlife. And here's why. Nobody's been there and come back and told the tale. So, if you believe in science, science believes in measurement. And so to say that there is no afterlife would mean that somebody's been there and seen that there is no afterlife. So what we don't know is what's, it really, the afterlife is not the realm of science. Because science doesn't get to measure it. And so, so the question is, I mean, the question is, what do you think about the story of Jesus? Is it real? Is it a fable? I, I gotta be honest, that when it comes to talking about death, I think it's, um, it's tempting to just put it off. 
I don't want to think about death. I don't want to think, especially when we don't know what's go, what like it's going to be when we're not sure about it. It's tempting to just not think about death. It's like um, it's like when I get a text from my daughter. I, like I get this text uh, from my daughter, and it says, "Hey, Dad, can I go on a school trip next week? It only costs." And then the iPhone stops it there. Do you know what I'm saying? And I know that I got to open that text to see how much it's going to cost. But I also know that if I open that test, I'm going to get heart palpitations. And so, uh, what do I do? Let's just wait on that. Let's just not, let's not think about it. I don't want to think about it right. I'll think about it when I'm in a better place. Um, a bill comes in the mail, and it's got the thing on, and you know where it's from, and you know there ain't no good news in that bill. And so you just set it on the counter. I can't deal with that right now. It's, it, there, are, there are things. Death is the same way. We just, do, we just don't always want to think about it. But today, I want to talk about it. Today, um, today I want to celebrate the fact Say that again. Today I want to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And I want to make it clear that you can't put it in the realm of fable. Either it happened or it didn't happen. And we should deal with it either way. And Paul thought the same thing, the Apostle Paul. Um, he, uh, he, he talked about the same thing because there were people already, it was only 15 or 20 years after Jesus had been raised from the dead. Uh, just 20 years later, he, there's a problem because there's a bunch of people who are saying, I don't know if that was really true. You know, I don't know if he actually raised from the dead. And I don't know that it matters. That's what they're saying. And here's what Paul said about that. Here's what he said. He said, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching, listen to this, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Is that clear enough? More than that, we are found to be liars about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. If Jesus was never raised from the dead, then all of this is pointless. Pack it all up. Why are you in church? That's what Paul's saying. The whole thing is pointless if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. For two reasons. Number one, then you don't get hope of the future. And number two then we're all liars. Go home. Forget the whole thing. The, the point of this passage is, you know, there are certain things as a Christian that different people can believe and it's okay, but the reality is, it seems to me that Paul here is saying, this one is, per, is important. This one is not one that you get to choose from on this smorgasbord of Christian belief. This one matters. I believe he is saying that resurrection is central to our faith. In Jesus. Um, it ain't an option. But, I, you know what I, I don't like? I don't like when somebody says, here's what you have to believe to belong here. I don't like that either. I, I, the truth is, most of you guys who know me, you know I'm a skeptic at heart. I don't, I don't just take things at face value, especially when somebody says, you have to believe this. <clears throat> I don't like that. Don't tell me what to believe. Um, but, the, there's... The, there's a better part of this. It's not just, hey, you have to believe this. It's not just Paul saying, listen, this is, this is central to, to following Jesus is knowing that he raised from the dead. Um, it's bigger than that because it, it also brings hope. It is the hope of the future. When we die, we don't just cease to exist. We are not snuffed out. There is more to who we are than this body and a hundred million neurons firing inside of this wet, spongy piece of tissue inside of my head. 
There is a, if you don't hear anything else, can you hear this please? There is a part of you that is eternal. That is separate from this vessel. There is a part of you that has always existed and will always exist. Can I say that again? There is a part of you that has always existed and will always exist. You might think that's weird. Let's look at some scripture. Je the, the prophet Jeremiah, right before he started, the, God himself spoke to Jeremiah and he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before, that's not before you were born. Before you were conceived, I knew you. You are an eternal being. What? I want you to struggle with that for a little bit. Before you were born, I knew you. Before you were conceived, I knew you. There is something in you that is eternal, that we just put on this body for a while. But there's something more than just the brain and the body. There is an eternal you that is unique and glorious. And here's the thing. It's not just that, that uh, resurrection is central to our belief. It's not just that because of that belief, because of that knowledge, because of that fact, we have hope of the future. There's a third thing that is so important here. It's not just about hope of our future. It's about the people that we love. Coming to Easter to celebrate isn't just about talking about a guy who died and raised 2,000 years ago. It's not just talking about how, what that means for me and my future. It also means that there are people that I love. I just spent a week in Mexico with my family, my wife and my two daughters, the last two kids who were up here singing on the stage. We spent a week in a one room together, one whole week, and none, no one is dead. That is amazing. There were no murders on this trip. Um, and I, I got to tell you, it was fantastic. It was, it was maybe one of my favorite weeks. And not, not because we were in Mexico, but because my girls are freaking great. Because they are, it was fun because they were less like my daughter and I have to be the dad kind of thing. And more just like, they're both graduating high school this year. And so it's more like, we're just people who like each other being together. I love that. And I think to myself, there is something there's something filled with the spirit in those connections with the people that I love. And, and I think to myself, as we think about Easter, it is not just about my future, it's about theirs. I know that this body is not eternal. This body is going to go, and it's going quicker than I had ever thought. Um, it is like I'm in my 40s now, it happens quickly. Uh, but this body is not going to stick around forever. But there is an eternal me, and there is an eternal my wife, and there are two eternal daughters who are all, they've clothed themselves with beautiful, amazing, wonderful lives, but that is not who they are. Who they are is eternal. The people, what, what we celebrate at Easter isn't just my, the hope for me. My dad died last year. My dad is not gone. He is an eternal an eternal being who clothed himself with a, with a body for a while, and that's the way I got to know him, but he is not gone. 
He is eternal. That is part of Easter. We don't just celebrate Jesus. We celebrate our hope, and we celebrate the hope of the people that we love. That's Easter. I'm not going to cry about that. <clears throat> All right. So if it's true, if that's true, if Easter is about hope of the next, uh, whatever happens, I mean, you, you, we say that my dad took off his, his earthly body and now he is this eternal being. With a bit, there's an obvious question that comes up. What does it look like? What happens afterward? What's that going to be like? What's my dad experiencing? What is your, your loved one experiencing right now? And I've got to be honest with you, the Bible doesn't talk too much about it. But uh, let's, you know, let's do a little spitballing here, you and me. This is like audience participation time. I want you to yell out. Uh, you think about heaven. What do you think about? What comes to your brain? Just yell it out. Pearly gates. Pearly gates. Streets of gold. Streets of gold. Mansions. Lots of food. Lots of food. That's awesome. Uh, clouds. You think of clouds, right? Sin free. Uh, I, I always think of harps. Somebody's always playing a harp in heaven, right? So we think of all these things. We think of all this, these, these things that we know about heaven, but the truth is, what we think we know about heaven, some of it is in the Word. Some of it, most of it, a lot of what we think about comes from medieval art. It doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from the Word of God. A couple of guys, a bunch of guys thought, hey, let's paint all these cathedrals, and then that art became what we think heaven looks like. I'm not saying that's a terrible thing, but it's not really an accurate thing. But the, the, the problem is we don't have an accurate thing. And I want to prove it to you because the, not only does the Bible not speak much about what heaven's like, it, when it does, it's f super weird. I mean, really weird. It starts with this guy named John, um, who was an apostle. And he was, uh, he was, this was many, many years after Jesus died and was raised. And he ended up in exile on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean. And he had this experience, this like spiritual experience where God took him his spirit from where he was and brought him up to heaven. And as he got up to heaven, I know it's super weird. He gets to heaven and there's a guy there who says, hey, I want you to, be, to look closely because I want you to write down everything you see. All right? And so he wrote down a bunch of stuff. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me that's not weird. <laughs> Let me give you a couple of examples. Here's how he describes heaven. This is John. Here it goes. He says, uh, there's one who sat on the throne, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, and a rainbow, I want you to take this literally, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Do you have an idea what that means? In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. Oh, that's cute. There are going to be little animals. That's awesome. Um, and they were covered with eyes. <laughs> Don't tell me that's not weird. Uh, the next one. Then I saw a lamb looking as, as if it had been slain. Oh, sweet. A lamb. How cute. And they, it was with the weird creatures, um, circled by the creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes. What? This is heaven. This is a description of heaven. Uh, here's, the, here's the last one I'll give you. Um, it shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had high... Great high walls with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gate. With the 12 gates were made of 12 what? Pearls. Each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of 
gold. Gold, you heard that one? As pure, as transparent glass. Don't tell me all this stuff isn't weird. If you actually think about what that looks like, what that would be, it's crazy. And I think it's, I think it's weird because it's an experience that John had that he had no idea how to describe. Let me, let's just take a, for like a, a what if. Here's a what if. What if there was a time machine? Stick with me. What if there was a time machine and you could get in that time machine? And I said to you, I said, okay, get in the time machine and I want you, I'm going to take you back to 1850. Right? Think 1850. We're going to take you back to 1850. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a fairly educated person in 1850. And I want you to describe a laptop computer to them. Okay? Seems simple. Okay. Boom, you get in the time machine, you go back to 1850, you find the person, here we go. Okay, I have something I want to describe to you. It's called a laptop computer. That means? It says, okay, here's what it does. Okay, it's, it's kind of like a book, right? Like, okay, it looks like a book. And when you open the book, there aren't pages inside. It's almost like just two covers, okay? But when you open it, there's this thing... You can't call it a screen, right? They, they don't know what a screen is. Um, it's, like, it's like a magic window, right? It's a magic window. And when you look at it, it shows you things, but those things aren't behind it. But it's like a magic window here. But then on the other side, it's like, um, you can't say keyboard. There's, no, there's a, uh, you can't really say buttons, because these are buttons. Um, there's like controls that you use to decide what happens on the magic window. Right? Is that as close as, I mean, I'm sure you could do a better job. Maybe, maybe, but what, how are you gonna do it? And I, did I describe a laptop? Kind of, not really. But what, what else am I gonna do? I don't have the words. I don't have any way to describe for them this experience, this thing that is so far removed from their experience. And I believe that's what happened with John. He gets taken up into heaven, and the guy says, I want you to describe and write down this. And he says, are you kidding me? How am I going to write this down? There's no way to describe it. So he says, it's like, a, I don't know, there's this dude. He's a... Uh, He's sitting on a big chair, maybe it's a throne. Um, but it's not, it's a guy, but it's not a guy. It's clearly not a guy, because he doesn't have flesh and blood. It's like he's, it's like he's a, you know, translucent, light figure, jade. I don't know, let's just write this down. You hear what I'm saying? This is what he's doing. He's given, he's given us, trying to give us a little bit of a glimpse into an experience of an ex that is so far removed from our understanding, we will never really get it. And that's why the Bible doesn't talk a lot about heaven. Because it's so other. It's a, it's a different experience. But there are a few things that Paul talks about. Um, the Apostle Paul, after he talks about the centrality, the importance of belief in the resurrection, he goes on in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And he's going to talk not about the place, but he's going to talk about us. He's going to talk about our bodies. What is going to happen with our bodies? What are we going to be like? Okay, that sounds exciting. Let's take a look at what he says. He says, somebody's going to ask, 
How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Good question. And here's what he says. He says, the body that is sown or put in the ground is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. You gotta give me a second. This is gonna get a little tricky, and so I need some visual aids. Hold on. Alright, I got two visual aids here. Give me a second. Okay. My first visual aid is an avocado. How many of you guys like avocados? Oh, I love a good avocado. Oh, man, I love avocado. I love guacamole. Um, I, so I, I'm, a, I'm an avocado fan. Here's the problem. Avocados are only ripe for like 35 minutes. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's like this moment, and they're like, you better eat it now. Have you ever made guac, and then you put it in the fridge, and then the next day, and it's got the browns, and you're like, what the heck, why would I even touch that? Um, yeah, so I, this, is, this is the thing I could think of that was the most perishable, right? They're only, they're only good for just a little bit. This avocado is perishable. And I started thinking, what is the most imperishable thing I can think of? And I thought, Twinkie! <laughs> the Twinkie will last forever! Okay, now this avocado is our body right here. This is perishable. It's our bodies, I'm, I'm, my body is, is, we feel like it's a long time, like our whole lifetime. But the truth is, it happens in an instant, the way an avocado goes back, right? So, um, this, is our, this is our body right now. This is our new body. Imperishable. Oh, I love Twinkie. Um, and so, I, I want to use this. I, wanna, I want you to think about this when it comes to a way that Paul talks about our bodies. Okay, here we go. Back to Paul. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now, it's not just our bodies that are perishable, it's this world that's perishable. And it's not just our bodies that will be imperishable, last forever, it is the world that we will live in that is imperishable, that will last forever. And so this can never inherit that world. Okay, listen, I tell you a mystery, I love when he says that, because what it really means is I'm going to say a bunch of stuff and it's not really going to make that much sense. Alright? Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. This one will be raised Twinkies. <laughs> and we will be changed, for the avocado must close itself, clothe itself with the imperishable. And the mortal with immortality. And when the avocado has been clothed with the Twinkie. <laughs> that's not the NIV. When the avocado, when the perishable, when the stuff that's going to go has taken on a form that is imperishable, when the avocado has been closed with the Twinkie and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? That's Easter, right? This is what happens. We let go of our avocado by, love you. But we pick up this immortality. 
Great. But it didn't really answer the question, did it? No. <laughs> What's the afterlife gonna look like? I wonder if that's a bad question. I wonder if it's wrong, if it's a flawed question. Because uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bear with me for a second here. So I'm gonna get a little weird. But the the question is, we, we ask the question, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? And the, that, that assumes that Twinkies have eyes. Right? Avocados have eyes. Right? You and me, we're avocados. Everybody say, I'm an avocado. I'm going to be a Twinkie. Yes, okay, but I'm an avocado right now, and I got eyes. I got eyes, and eyes are important to me as an avocado, because an eye, eye, eyes are like, that's how I bring in the world, that's how I, I make any decision that I make. Eyes are super important, that's why our first question about the afterlife is what's it going to look like? Because eyes are important to avocados, but we're assuming that Twinkies have eyes and maybe they don't. What is the, what's the, what is that experience gonna be like? The reality is we have no eyes. And we can try to figure it out for the rest of our lives. But we will, because we're still avocados. You can't figure out what Twinkie life is like until you're a Twinkie. We're still avocados. And so today, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, here's, I want to be honest. Part of what I want to do today is persuade you to follow Jesus but I am not going to persuade you to follow Jesus by giving you a bunch of answers to hard questions because the truth is, I don't have them. I got way more questions than I have answers. I want to persuade you to follow Jesus with the mystery, not with the answers. And the mystery is this. Would you be willing to admit to yourself that there has to be more? That I am not just a bunch of firing neurons inside of this brain. That there is an eternal me. That there is an eternal you. Would you be willing to admit that there has to be more? And that's all it is. That's the first step. And then decide, I'm willing to figure out what that more is. And I'll tell you what, I think you'll spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what the more is. But I think that's the first step. Is there more? Is there an eternal me? And I do, I, I think, I, like I said, I have a, a lot more questions than I do answers, but I think two, two parts of the more that I want to share with you today, very quickly as we close up. The two parts of the more I want to share, number one is what we call the gospel. I believe this to be true. I believe this to be true. I believe this not just to be a question, not just to be thrown out there, but I believe this to be a fact. The fact is that Jesus was the Son of God. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a death on a cross for my sin and your sins. He died. They put him in a grave for three days. I believe that it is a fact that he raised from the dead and that he appeared to his apostles and he continued to, to appear to people and he's still appearing to you and to me. And it might happen to you right here and right now that the God of the universe is right in this place. I believe that is true. I'm still looking, about, looking at lots of other questions, but that's one that I believe is true. 
And here's the second one, and I, I just want to end with this. And I'm going to ask the band to come back up on the stage, and we're going to sing one last song. But um, I, I want to give you one more description that I think is, it doesn't give you, it doesn't tell you anything about what it's going to look like, heaven. But it's going to give you a sense of what it might be like. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Just close your eyes. And I want you to just listen to the words of the Apostle John as he speaks the truth um, through, through his experience. Here it goes. John says, I heard a loud, a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We hear that at funerals a lot, but I think we should hear it at Easter, because Easter is the celebration of the, of the next, of God's victory over death. And, and victory comes not by working hard, not by being good. Here's where victory comes, the, the end of that chapter. He says, thanks be to God. He gave us victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I say I, wanna, I want to... That's why I say I want to convince you. I want to persuade you to follow Jesus. It's, um, it's because that's the only way to victory.